Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Guys, um, well, this is our lovely panel of ladies who's agreed to answer a few questions on this topic. These ladies all serve on our counseling team, and so we thought it would be fun to hear from them just how um, they've um, sought to grow in this area in their own lives, but also how they would seek to counsel others who um, struggle with this, which is all of us, I'm sure. Um, So can you first just introduce yourselves real quick? Sure. Oh, good. It's on. Um, Hey, I'm Michelle McKinley, and uh, I've been at Cornerstone for a really long time. And it's really nice to be here tonight. I'm DJ. Hold it up. Is it on? I'm DJ Mitchell. And I've been at Cornerstone forever also. Uh And it's great to be here. This is fun. Okay, really close. Yeah, if if DJ drops hers down, just push it up. Push her hand up, yeah. (laughs) Don't hit her in the face, but. (laughs) Um, I'm Megan Mason, and I've also been here quite a little while. It's been a gift. So, the first question is, what has the battle against fear of man looked like for you personally? And then also, as you've counseled others, are there common areas where you think we're tempted to fear man? Okay. Well, you know, I was thinking about it, and I think fear of man has changed as I've gotten older in the environment and situations that I've been in. Um, probably 10 years ago or 15 years ago, if you'd asked me what fear of man would look like, it might have been more um, relationships and friends and like really being concerned about what they said or what they thought of me or how I need to be doing similar things as they do. Um, And I think as I've gotten older and my relationships have changed and my relationship with the Lord has changed, that's kind of not as much of an issue anymore. God has become bigger in my eyes in that way. And so now it's more, it's that subtle fear of man that kind of sneaks in and like, oh, why am I really freaking out about this meeting? And I'm like, oh, because I'm afraid of those people. And so, Lord, help me, you know, to let let you be, you're bigger than these people ever will be. And I need to work as unto you. And so just kind of, so I think I have more smaller moments of fear of man that may come up fast that I have to think about and like, the Lord is kind enough to help me see my anxiousness or my fear or concern. And so then I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And um, just be able to, he helps me to see what it is and then just confess it and ask for help in that. So, For me, it has been, uh, well, to tell you the truth, I didn't know I had it until... She asked me to do this, and I, I sat back, and I read the email, and I said, oh, I don't have fear of man. I have pride. That's my problem. And then I just felt like God was gently nudging me, saying, your pride is standing in the way of you seeing this huge other place area in your life you need to work on. And so I look back, and I love to impress people. I want it to... I want people to think highly of me a lot, Um, whether it's putting the good books out, putting my John Grisham, hiding him away when somebody comes to visit, and then I I put out the holiness of God or the big, 
the Providence book, you know, that big one. That one always looks good. Or just leaving the Bible out. So, but, and I do that. That's bad. But then another way is, um, lately, I've been thinking about, I don't want to disappoint, especially my kids. I try to be fair, and, and, and that's hard. And it puts a lot of pressure on, and I just need to release that to the Lord. So... Uh. I really respect that you guys just did this on the fly. I could not, so I had to write it out. So forgive me that I'm going to read. My battle with fear man has centered more around my excessive need for approval to be well thought of. Not as much from our culture or the world, but primarily from within the Christian community. I was well taught that our culture would be opposed to the things of God so that living to fit in with our culture would get me in trouble. Proverbs 29.25 Uh, We talked about that in our reading tonight, that fear of man will prove to be a snare. I believed that with all my heart, but mainly within the context of the culture. Within our church and the Christian community, though, I was pretty much a slave. I was in bondage to this need to be well thought of, to be seen as godly, and to hold on to people's approval of me. There were three main ways that this affected my life. One, it majorly limited my service in the church, and it hindered my expressions of love for people. I was so self-centered, so determined not to lose the approval of others, that I pretty much refused to do anything that I thought might lead to failure. If I didn't think I could do it perfectly, then I wouldn't do it. At the time, I hid behind the idea that, well, that's just not my gifting, or I'm really just an introvert. But the reality was, I was being completely controlled by this fear of failure that might lead to a loss of people's approval. I also saw it in my lack of humility in confessing sin. I rarely confessed sin. I failed to speak honestly about my sin so that people would maybe not see how sinful I was. I was not an open and honest person at all. I didn't accept correction well. I felt that agreeing with you if you were correcting me or making observations about me threatened my well-crafted image of a good girl who, of course, would admit that I was a sinner, but not that much of a sinner. The biggest way I saw it, though, was in my marriage with my husband, John. I was so determined to not let either my sin or sin within our marriage be seen so that I wouldn't lose people's approval. Um, And it led to two main issues. One, I cared so much more that we looked like we had a good marriage, that we looked like what I thought people wanted to see in a good marriage, rather than actually caring that God was pleased with our marriage. And two, I was slow to ever speak honest truth to John because I was afraid he would respond badly and pull away from me or think less of me. I was extremely judgy, I was critical, and I was self-righteous toward John, and extremely frustrated that our marriage didn't look a particular way. So, kind of, how did I, do you want me to go into change, or you want me to wait for that? That's good, thank you guys. Very humble of you. Um, So, yes, let's talk about change. So, Ed Welch, in our quote in our reading said, the first task in escaping the snare of fear of man is to know that God is awesome and glorious, not other people. So, practically, um, what does it look like to grow in knowing that God is awesome and glorious more than other people? Well, I was just thinking back to what we were talking about at our table tonight, and one of the things I think 
I mean, there are things we can do specifically for fear of man, but really just pursuing the Lord and having that strong walk with Him. Because when we are walking closely with Him, you know, He's right there. His Spirit is with us, and He's going to guide us and lead us and convict us. And so I just say, run hard after God. Spend time with Him. Um, I also would say stay in His Word. Read good stuff, not... Read those books I put out on the table. (laughs) Um, And strictly limit my uh, time on social media. (laughs) Oh, rest it here and it stays still. Okay, strictly limit my time on social media. And all of that serves in all other areas. You put God, put his word first in your life and then... Things seem to fall in place better when you do that. Um, In terms of growing and understanding the glory of God, comprehending that, um, that's growing in this big view of God. Um, If we're trying to grow and seeing God's opinion and glory is more important than the opinion of other people or our own glory, Uh, We need that proper perspective of God and of who we are in relation to him. We need to see God as bigger, as better, as more glorious. And I think the clearest way that the Lord accomplished this in me was through his word. Specifically, and this sounds overwhelming, but it's not, I promise. But like reading big chunks of scripture, specifically like Genesis and Exodus. Look at God's creation. Look at his design for his creation. Look at his sovereign plan. Look at the glory that he displays as he creates. And then Adam and Eve fail. And then he's got plans before they even fail for our redemption, how he has this worked out and planned. Um, So Genesis, Exodus, in the New Testament, the book of John and Romans and Ephesians, just scream like God had a purpose and a glorious plan and he moved heaven and earth to make it happen and you just can't help walk away reading those books with without having just a higher view of God um you see his amazing purpose for creation you see his amazing purpose for us um how we were created and redeemed to showcase his glory you get this grand vision that we're his creation living in his world created for his purposes. We were really so insignificant compared to who God is and other people are so insignificant. And I think we need to see this. Um, the more we see this, the easier it is for our hearts to be ruled by God's view of us rather than people's opinion. The goal is that we need to see God as more worthy of our worship and awe and fear and hope than any human ever could be. And his word is where we have to start. Um, other books also, like Knowing God by J.A. Packer, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, and then Children of the Living God by Sinclair Ferguson were huge in helping me to grasp a scriptural understanding of who God is, of how glorious he is, and then who I am in relation to him and how much... I'm loved and accepted in the beloved, and that's made a huge difference for me. That's great. How else, like if you had someone in front of you who's like, I'm stuck in this, um, are there other ways you would counsel them if they feel stuck in a pattern of fearing people? um, Are there other tools that you would give them to fight it? I mean, I 
think the first thing would be scripture. And I think understanding where's their fear of man related to in respect to that situation. Like, is it your boss? Is it a mother-in-law? Is it a husband? Because those things are different. We were talking about this at the table. Like, different relationships have different pressures and they have different triggers as to what's really going on there. And so I think once you have a little bit more uh, understanding in the why are you fearing that person, then you can go to the word and go, okay, Lord, where's, where can we find in your, your word to kind of something we can hang our hats on and just pray through it or memorize it or all those things? I think for me, when I've counseled people before, I've told them, make God bigger than that situation in your life or bigger than the person that, you know, you're in conflict with. And then always send them to God's word, pray, ask forgiveness, that goes a long way. Um, the tools, his words, books, friends. Ask for input from your friends. Do you see an area in my life that I am not fearing God or I'm being a people pleaser? Your friends will tell you if they're good friends. That was actually my first practical was tell someone. Like, tell someone, I think I'm struggling with this. I think this is an idol in my life. Will you pray for me? Will you... Will you talk with me about it? Will you give me input? Um, and then give them freedom to ask a lot of like hard why questions. Like, why do you think you did that? Whose glory were you seeking? Why are you so anxious about this? Like, what, what are you loving that makes you afraid to do this? Um, you may not love the questions they ask you, <laughs> but I promise that I think they're gonna lead to a lot of good input and freedom. And then pray. I always used to hate it when people answered with pray. I kind of felt like, oh, that's a cop out. Like, I want more. But guys, like, what we're after is a change of heart. And only the power of the Holy Spirit can do that. So we have to pray. Like, we have to plead with him. Like, do what you want. Do what you promise to do for me. Open my heart. Help me see this and help me turn away from this. So prayer is not a cop out. Oh, you want me to? <laughs> okay. So one example of how giving someone freedom to ask questions. Is Nyla here? Okay, so Nyla is one of my dear friends. She's not here. Years ago, she asked me to help coordinate her wedding. Never done a wedding before. I'm not really sure why she asked me. I think it was the Lord's providence. But she asked me to coordinate her wedding. And I didn't tell her no at first. I was just hemmed and hawed. And I was like, I'm, I've never done this. I'm not a good person for it. So that night we're going to bed and this is in the middle of my battle with fear of me. And I was recognizing it was an issue and seeking the Lord for grace to grow. And John was like, why? I told John, I was like, I think I'm just going to go back and tell her no. Like, I can't do this. He was like, why can't you do it? Like, I think, I think you'd be good at it. And I was like, I've never done that. And I gave him all these reasons. And he was like, Meg. And he just kind of looked at me. It's like, you are so afraid of failing that you would not love your friend and serve your friend so that you might not maybe fail. And that just hit me hard. And of course I was like, no, that's not it. You know, I gave like all these reasons that he was wrong, but he was right. Like I was so concerned that I not fail, that I was gonna not love my friend. And it turns out that um, I love coordinating weddings and it opened up this like, wow, like I was failing to use gifts that the Lord had given me because I thought I couldn't do it perfectly. And there's been a lot of joy um, in that. Um, you're hilarious, Donna. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to say, and I think some of this is just my personal struggle with fear of man, 
um, being confident in who I am in Christ makes all the difference. If I know and I believe with all my heart that I am beloved of the Lord, then you not thinking highly of me doesn't matter as much. So practically, Romans and Ephesians have been super helpful. Um, I'm actually currently doing this because there have been some fear of man issues that have been coming to light for me. But I'm reading through those books and I'm journaling and I call them gospel implications. There may be a better way of phrasing it. But reading through Romans, reading through Ephesians and writing down because of the gospel, I am and then fill in the blank. Um, So even just in the beginning, chapters one and three of Romans, I am a recipient of grace. I'm called to belong to Jesus. I am loved by God. I'm called to be a saint. I'm a recipient of eternal life. I'm justified by faith apart from my performance. I'm redeemed. I'm welcomed in the beloved. These realities are game changers for me. Um, When I dwell on them, they really help me to put God in his proper place and help me live more confidently for his glory, resting in who I am in him. They don't leave a lot of room for fear of man in my heart. Um, And so I'm just growing to pray, and I would just challenge you to pray for these truths to matter more than people's approval. Um, Like I mentioned, asking heart questions of yourself. Whose praise am I desiring right now? The praise of the Lord or the praise of men? Whose glory am I seeking? Am I more, this is uh, a clincher for me, am I more angry at my child's display of disrespect or disobedience because it's sin against a holy God? Or am I more angry that other people saw my sin, my child's sin, and might think less of me as a parent? Also, just who am I loving? Who am I aiming to please with this? And then repent. Like repent if someone else was part of that process. Repent to the Lord. I think sometimes we miss, you know, God gives grace to the humble and humility is a, or repentance is a huge act of humility. So don't miss out on that connection that our repentance and our confession of the sin to the Lord, there's grace in that. There's um, grace in the Lord that comes through that humility. All right, last question. What are some of the benefits of fearing God and not man that you've experienced? I think you touched on a lot of that. It's freedom, just freedom. It's really nice to, when you're looking at God and saying, God, I want to do the best that you want me to do, it really doesn't matter what other people think. And that is just releasing Um, I think for me, too, not trying to impress people. Just an example, uh, I play softball, and I I always want to look good out there playing. I always played well, and, but now I think of, I think of the Lord, and I'm trying to impress others, but He's given me this gift. He's given me health. I need to give glory to Him. So, in my mind now, when I go out there, it's to minister to people around me because I'm around people that are non-Christians and then just tell God who he is when I'm out there playing. God, you are awesome. You are amazing. You know, and I go through the alphabet in my head when I'm out there just to keep the focus off myself. So, you sound shocked. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, you go through the, like, compassionate for C. I forgot my B. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the main ways I would echo freedom and joy. 
I think all sin is a tyrannical taskmaster, but I think particularly the fear of man. Like it doesn't stop. It doesn't let up. I think being, you're a slave. I really felt like a slave. Like this hamster wheel that you just never can get off of because it's never enough. Um, So I think freedom is one of the main things I would say um, are one of the benefits of fearing God and not man. And I've seen the fruit of that practically in three ways. Serving. By God's grace, I've been able to pursue more opportunities to serve within our church. Um, Teaching at our homeschool co-op. Um, the willingness and the freedom to step up when asked to serve because I no longer have a reputation to preserve. If they see I'm a horrible teacher and don't want me to come back, then okay. Um, Even with counseling, like I think I was really afraid to step out um, because I was afraid like, oh, they're not going to think I'm a good counselor or they might have input. And whereas now it's like, okay, like they, you know, our pastors sit down on a counseling session. If they have input, then like, I want to welcome that and not be afraid that they may not think I'm a perfect counselor, um, which I'm not. Um, and then another way is hospitality. Um, man, the joy there is in opening up your home and opening up your life to people and being used by God in that way, I think I was just missing out on the joy there is in obedience to the Lord. And that's been a beautiful thing, just realizing like, I love this. This is so life-giving. And I was always afraid to open up my home. Um, I feel like now I'm free, free to serve imperfectly, to host with a messy house. I'm no longer as embarrassed by the mess that our lives are, and they are a mess. <laughs> um, I've grown more bold in evangelism, more consistent in my parenting, um, growing in my awareness that God sees and cares about my parenting in public and in private. Um, I confess my sin more freely, um, specific fruit in community group, just being able to say like, hey, we're struggling with this in our marriage. Like, how do you handle this? How do you handle it when you feel like there's not a mutual pursuit of the Lord together? Um, How do you grow in praying together? Like, what does it look like when you disagree about parenting? Like, I don't know, I'm stuck that I wouldn't have said before. And then being able to reap from what God's done in other people's lives as you're humble uh, enough to share. Um, And then our marriage has been the big one. It has transformed our marriage. Um, There's so much more delight and peace and joy in our marriage. My confidence in my standing with God has set me free to be okay with saying hard things, with asking hard questions. I'm more honest with how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking because it's okay if John doesn't take it well or if he counters with pointing out my sin, um, which honestly says more about me than it does him. He is by far the most gracious person I know. Um, Just totally aware he's a sinner, okay with that, and eager to receive grace because he knows he's received grace and that it's not my strength. Um, But as I've grown by God's grace and caring less about how our marriage looks, I've become more patient and more releasing to let God work. I've become far more aware that I am not the Holy Spirit in my husband's life. Uh, John feels more genuine care when I do point out sin or ask him to pray about a pattern I think I see because he knows it's coming from a place of wanting God's best for us rather than before where it was coming from a place of me just wanting our marriage to look well. I'm growing to accept John's input and correction. It no longer makes me as angry to see my sin, no longer threatens me for him to point out areas I need to grow in. 
doesn't threaten anymore this idol of a perfect appearance, but instead I'm able to see his correction and other people's correction as a means through which God's accomplishing his purpose for me. Um, I think at 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, that says, and this is God's will for you, your sanctification. Um, I just feel like I was really missing out on a big chunk of that, that I'm not missing out on anymore. Well, can you thank these ladies? Thanks, guys. <laughs>